You know, faith is only as good as the object in which it puts its trust. I can have all the confidence in the world that the plane I am boarding is going to get me from one place to another. But if the pilot is incompetent or the mechanicals are somehow compromised, friends, I will meet Jesus sooner than I may expect. I can have all the faith that I want in that airplane. But if the pilot or the mechanics are problematic... I've got real problems. Today, we uh, put our faith in a God who reveals himself as the Father, his Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So let's spend a few moments reciting the faith that brings us into worship today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Many of us know snippets and sound bites of Scripture, favorite passages that are stuck in our minds. For many of us, many of those passages coming from our childhood, maybe our upbringing in a family that uh, kept refrigerator magnets or Hobby Lobby plaques on the end table. Um, sometimes those simple and um, short passages are what we need to get us from one day to the next in this often troublesome life. But sometimes we need to give ourselves over to an extended study or an extended passage of scripture. Philemon is only 20-21 verses long and yet it's an entire book of the New Testament. I'd invite you to pull up your Bible either uh, in your physical uh, home there, uh, an actual Bible, or just pull it up on whatever device you may be watching right now and uh, read along with me as we read about this relationship between a slave and his master and the Apostle Paul that is trying to strengthen the Christian family and the labor that both of them do on behalf of the Lord. Uh, just a note, by the way, as we think about what it means to be a servant, I don't want us to confuse what servitude and slavery in our American or modern uh, concept uh, was, is, and how that compares to what slavery or servitude was when the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ, when they were walking around on this earth. Slavery then was not property-based slavery. It was indebtedness. It was, um, I owe you a debt, and by being your servant for a period of time, I can work myself out of that indebtedness and be free once again. And so, just to keep that clear, Onesimus is a slave uh, by choice, certainly, but not in the way that we know slavery from our Civil War era here in America. Just a little bit different. But let's listen in right now to Philemon, these uh, verses here, and let's learn the story of this relationship that Paul is trying to restore in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy, 
I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me. Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is now more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. Well, that's some letter. And it's some letter because Paul puts himself between within the contract of a master and a servant. Paul, on behalf of God, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, essentially exerts his apostolic authority in order to broker a different kind of relationship in this church, likely in the Greek city of Colossae, uh, likely a, a church that itself had already received a couple other letters from the Apostle Paul. One, the letter in the New Testament of Colossians. The other, the letter of Ephesians. Those three letters being brokered together, uh, sent as one unit to different recipients, of course. Paul is in prison. He recognizes that his life now as an older man is petering out. He is not sure how the trajectory of his life will go. But one thing that he knows is this, is that if he is going to end his life well, if he's going to finish the race successfully, he needs to finish it 
by brokering peace in the body of Christ. And his labor for the labor relationship of Philemon and Onesimus is just as important as any missionary journey as he has ever taken. It is just as important as any evangelistic conversation he has ever had. The Apostle Paul realizes that he is not just mediating some contract dispute, but he is mediating harmony in the church. We don't know all the circumstances that caused Onesimus and Philemon to have this rift, to actually hold Onesimus at a distance from Philemon. Whether Onesimus had stolen something from Philemon, whether he had in some way betrayed the confidence of his master. We don't have any of those details, but what we know is this, that these two brothers in Christ were not only physically at a distance, there was also a spiritual distance there. And so the Apostle Paul, in order to bring harmony into the church, had to bring harmony between these two individuals. Isn't it always the truth that harmony in the church always comes down to the interpersonal relationships of two people? I can think of so many church fractures or friction points that I've experienced over my years of being a pastor. And if I would be honest and, and really do a, a post-mortem on all of them, the reality is it, it usually started because two people got sideways with each other. They got sideways. They became persistent in that antagonism toward each other. And because of pride or whatever else, they simply couldn't sit down and reconcile. And because of that, as is typical, a couple other people got involved, a little gossip ensued, some more meetings were had, and all of a sudden you had social groups that were antagonizing one another. And if only two people had sat down over a cup of coffee with a little humility and maybe a, a dose of forgiveness, the rift in a church between fellow Christians might have been resolved. I want you to think about that because it's likely in all of our lives we're sideways with another brother or sister in Christ, maybe within our own household, maybe outside of it. But nevertheless, getting sideways with a brother or sister in Christ is not an acceptable situation in which to persist. Forgiveness needs to be um, traded, transacted. A contract that has been brokered by God through Jesus for his church, that contract needs to be restored. Look, it doesn't mean you need to be bosom buddies. It doesn't mean you need to be kissing cousins or, or fast friends again. But what it does mean is that forgiveness, trust, soul care, respect, honor is restored in the body of Christ. Is there a place in your life where God is calling you, as Paul called Philemon and Onesimus, to labor in such a way in order to restore the integrity, the harmony of God's church for which Christ died? If you're already thinking about that relationship, it may be good this Labor Day 
not to walk like laborers did in New York City in the 1880s, not to enact laws for the rest and relaxation of an extended weekend. Maybe the labor that we need to look for in this Labor Day is the labor that takes seriously we have to keep the body of Christ intact. As Paul is getting older, still the mission of the gospel, expanding the kingdom, is before his eyes, but he realizes in order to expand the kingdom, he has to take seriously that the kingdom, as it stands right now, must be whole, must be together, restored, intact. And Philemon and Onesimus are aggravating that complete sense of the church. You and I, we can aggravate that complete unity of the church. And so this Labor Day, let's remember the Lord Jesus Christ, who in his closing prayer from John chapter 17, prayed, Lord, Father in heaven, I pray that my church would be one, unified, just as you and I, Father to Son, are one, are unified, live together together. In righteous harmony. If as the Father and the Son are unified, the church could be unified, then we have a strong base, a platform upon which to do the mission of the gospel and expand the kingdom. We give people reason to want to join the church when they see the church behaving well toward each other. Let's get after that. And if we've uh, found ourselves compromised in that regard, Let's call on the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power of his Holy Spirit is the Lord of one holy Christian church. I think we just confessed that in the creed. And that in that grace and forgiveness that the Holy Spirit brokers, we can find restoration and renewal. For Christ's sake. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and in the relationships you carry forward with other people. Amen.